should be good to go. All right. You can hear me all right. I'll just push that as well. Oh, that's so good. Um, lovely to hear that. And it, you know, I'm super aware that we've got so many people that are involved in, um, you know, in, in working with the public at this at this time. And and um, but we're gonna we're gonna jump into a series um, or continue on a series that we've been on for the last few weeks. It's a series called um, Kingdom Life in a Broken World. And I, let me just I, let me just share my screen because I've got some um, slides as well, and we'll. You'll see a bit of my face and you will see a little bit of a screen so you're not overwhelmed with uh, too much of me. Um, so we're in the series Kingdom Life in a Broken World. Um, we're, we're looking at, and we've been in this uh, all, pretty much all year, looking at how the new kingdom that Jesus inaugurated and, and taught about and demonstrated 2,000 years ago, how that um, affects us and impacts us in our world uh, today um, and I, I put some notes in the um, Easy Church app. If you um, if you've got that Easy Church app, it'll be on the um, on the last page. Uh, there should be some notes there, and you can follow along. Quite full notes this morning. So so this Sermon on the Mount is is Jesus telling his followers, this is what this is what the new world, the new family, the new creation is going to be like. And um, and in these three chapters, he's kind of describing how we how we live, how we interact with each other. Um, and everything's made, you know, what he's telling us is everything's being made new. And, and so, therefore, also, we need to be made new, that, that, that our lives have to change because we're part of this new kingdom. And we need to learn a whole new way of living. And then after, after he tells us that, um, he, he comes back and, um, and he gives us these, these warnings. And there's four warnings. And Matthew beautifully taught us last week um, on the first one, which is the the narrow, the narrow gate or the narrow path um, or the narrow door and, um, and also the golden rule. And um, so, you know, so what he's, what he's doing here is he's kind of saying, this is, this is, this is what life's going to be like. Um, but what I'd love for you to understand is that, that you have to be changed. There's, there has to be an internal change and just be careful because there's going to be a bunch of things that could stop us from, uh, from in, entering into this life. And so, and so I want to talk about the, the, the second warning, but but Matthew, um, he spoke so beautifully last week, and a couple of things I wrote down. He said, you know, it's not so much, um, it's not so much, you know, don't focus on the narrow, but rather narrow the focus. And then he, and then again, he said that the narrow door, the narrow gate, is the entry into the expanse. And I love that picture that he that he drew for us, you know. And and, and today we're looking at the second warning, and um. Oh, where's my where's my button again? Um, the second warning, which is you know, in, in one sense, it's kind of like not it's not one of the funnest scriptures to talk about, but it's a really important one, and I guess it shows us how how vital this message is. So he again tells us. Um, uh, let me just read this passage to you. But watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do, not, uh, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. 
And, and it, you know, like I say, this is, this is the second warning as he kind of wraps up the Sermon on the Mount. You know, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. It, it, you know, it seems like such a strong thing that he's saying to us. And I guess one of the first things we've got to do here with this passage is establish, first of all, what's a prophet? Um, in the Old Testament, uh, or the, old, the, the first covenant, um, you know, we can read their writings, we read some of their stories. You know, and essentially the prophets were people that God had spoken some important message to, and they then take that important message to the appropriate leader of, of a nation or of a community. And, you know, they were, they were a fairly, um, fairly interesting crew. And I guess, you know, to be honest, you know, when I read, when I read this, the, the, the stories of the, of the prophets, you know, they're probably not the kind of people that I would have enjoyed winding down on a Friday afternoon with. Um, they seem pretty intense, you know. Um, Nathan Nathan rocks up to uh, King David and and confronts him about his sin concerning Bathsheba and Uriah. Um, Jeremiah, you know, when you read the book of Jeremiah, it's just like, oh my goodness, the, the bad news after bad news, a heavy message after another one, and you know, and and, and Jeremiah's messages were so strong, and and in fact, he, you know, he took that he took that the heaviest ones and he and he put them in their own book. He called them lamentations. Um, Isaiah, you know, had a whole lot to say to the nation of Israel, but he also had messages to the nations around them. And, and, um, and you know, and through his prophecies, you know, he, he's prophesied a lot about the coming of Jesus and what his role was. And, and so these prophets were really interesting people. They were, you know, an Old Testament prophet was someone who was, who was respected, at times possibly un, unpopular, but they, but they passed on messages from God to the appropriate leaders. And they served the nation of Israel, and they served God's family um, by, by bringing those messages uh, of danger at times. And um, they served along with the significant, other significant leaders of the, of the kings uh, and the judges and the, and the priests. And, and we also read in the Old Testament warnings about false prophets who said what corrupt leaders just wanted them to say. And they and they prophesied for their own for their own um, you know for sometimes for their own financial uh, well-being, um, and all the way through the Old Testament there were those warnings about watch out for false prophets and watch out for false shepherds. And so we come into the New Testament into this new world that Jesus is describing here, and and it would seem a strange thing if the Old Testament had prophets and the New Testament didn't have any. But in fact, we know that the New Testament does talk a lot about prophets and prophecies. And we also know this, that as, that as New Testament believers, each one of us can hear from God ourselves. You know, we, we all have our own relationship with God. You know, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. and We don't need any other intermediary to talk to God on our behalf. And, but the reality is also this, that, that God gives every one of us for something unique, that something of value that we can bring to the community that, that we're part of, to the church, to the world that we're involved in. Uh, to the world that we play in and we live in and work in. And, and each one of us, God gives us something that we can bring to that community. So when we, when we think about this prophet, you know, when Jesus is warning us, watch out for false prophets because they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, he, you know, he's, he's not saying watch out for prophets. He's saying watch out for false prophets. So a prophet is essentially somebody who speaks for God uh, or speaks on behalf of God, brings a message from God, uh, to us so that we can hear so we can hear what God's saying and again let me just bring us some scriptures here uh, sorry I can't do this faster um, so Christ himself in, in Ephesians 4 11 through 13 Christ himself gave apostles prophets 
evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, so God, through the Holy Spirit, gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, or leadership gifts uh, in a similar way to the prophets, kings, and priests in the Old Testament. One of those roles is the prophet. And we can see, first of all, that it's a leadership role. It's not just you know, some, some kind of wild-eyed um, loose cannon who blazes away on social media or someone who drifts into church to deliver a message. It's someone who carries responsibility for the church and who has a unique ability to particularly understand what God's saying at a particular time. And again, in Jesus' new kingdom and in the church, he gives each of us gifts that we can bring for the common good. Again, let me just bring up some, some probably some quite well-known verses. Um, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7 and verse 10. But there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in every one, it is the same God at work. And now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Uh, and then he talks about the, the, the nine um, charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says, to one, uh, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. So, so what he's saying here is he's saying that, that, that when the church gathers, there's, there's all these kind of gifts that, that he loves to give. And each one of us brings what God's given us for the common good. Uh, and again, he says, if you move on, First um, Corinthians 13 is all about this chapter of love, that, that if we don't love, then um, the, the gift that we're bringing probably is not going to bless. And so in, verse, in chapter 14 of, of First Corinthians, verse 1, he says, so follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Um, you know, and, and it's something of an echo of what of what uh, Moses said back in Numbers eleven twenty nine when when he kind of sighed and he said, "Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put His Spirit on all of them." There's, there's something there's something very beautiful about what, this thing of, you know, eagerly desiring to to speak what God's saying and to and to reach out for the unique thing that God gives us. And again, it goes on in verse three. It says, "But those who prophesy." speak to people for their strengthening, for their encouragement, and for comfort. And so, and so again, you know, prophecy essentially, the, and this, uh, both the, the, uh, the, the spiritual gift of prophecy and the leadership gift of being a prophet is simply just verbalizing what God's saying. You know, and all, I that all of us would do that. You know, that's the longing that, that Paul had. And I, and I think, again, it's the longing that Jesus has. You know, imagine a world where we're all just saying to one another what God would love to say to us. You know, that, that, that all of us are just taking every opportunity to just to remind each other how much God loves you. You know, that, that we take time to, to just remind each other what, what God's given you is so beautiful and unique. Just bring that. You know, you're valued, you're loved, you're important. You, you know, you, you, your life makes a difference. You know, what, a, what an amazing world we would have. You know, the, the, you know, telling people the world would be a poorer place without you. And how great it is that we can encourage each other um, to be what God says we are. You know, and how different that is from the grinds, of, you know, of our culture at times, you, you know, which sometimes is toxic, that sometimes kind of grinds us down. That's, you know, sometimes makes us feel like we don't, 
we don't live up to it, that we're not good enough. You know, no wonder God wants us to prophesy. No wonder he wants us to speak words, uh, his words to one another. But the question is, you know, so, so what about, how do we know it's a prophecy, if a prophecy or the prophet is right? And Jesus is warning us here, you know, watch out for false prophets. And he's pretty full on here. He's saying that, you know, that they're wolves in sheep's clothing, which is, a, you know, kind of a horrible thought. And I wanted us just for a moment to kind of step back and just think about this, that our general practice of prophecy. You know, he says that we're, um, later on in 1 Corinthians 14, um, let two or three prophets speak, and then the others should weigh what's said. And I think there's a beautiful clue in that thing of, this, of that word weigh, that, that with prophecy, it's not so much is it, you know, is it right, is it wrong, but, but it's more like, you know, we need to weigh what's being said. It's like, it's like having a, a set of scales. Uh, you know, and, and what we do is we say, now, which part of this message that we've heard, which, which part, was, uh, how much of it is God? And how much of it is just is, is the person? And how much of it is that we were just giving it a good shot? You know, and the measure seems to be in First Corinthians chapter 40 and verse 3, was it strengthening? Was it encouraging? Was it comforting? You know, and, it, and, if, it, and, and if someone brings a message and it's not, a, it's not strengthening or encouraging or comforting, then we can safely ignore it. Um, but that's not to say that at times, you know, someone telling you what they feel like God's saying to you uh, is, sometimes that can be quite hard. And I've got to say, I've been really grateful when people over the years have had the courage to say strong things to me, to say things that maybe I didn't want to hear. You know, I, I'm really grateful that people had the courage to actually say those things. Now, in the Old Testament, it was really, it was really easy to figure out if someone was a false prophet, you know, because, uh, you know, if a prophet said something was going to happen and it didn't happen, and it happened, you kind of knew, well, they're a true prophet. But if they said something and it didn't happen, you knew that they were a false prophet and they, and they ran the risk of being stoned or, or excluded. Uh, let me, let me um, and, and again, the New Testament has some fairly clear things about judging prophecy and judging a prophet as well. Um, and let me just jump into that. And I'm going to tie it all together, kind of giving you a bunch of information, but I'm going to tie it together. For, so so how, do we, how do we live with this warning that, that, he's, um, you know, that he's telling us? Just be careful what you see. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what you listen to. In, um, in 1 John verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, um, dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are, are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is how you recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that doesn't acknowledge that Jesus is not, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. That's the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is in the world. You know, so one of the messages is this, you know, do, do, is, is the message, does it glorify God? Does it, does it lift, does it lift the, the person of Jesus up? Um, and again, you know, there's, there's this real challenge, I think, in the scriptures that, that you know, for us to, 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 to kind of go back to the scriptures. You know, there's a, lovely, there's a lovely verse in Acts 17, verse 11, where it says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. But they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So that every day they were weighing what Paul was saying up, and they were saying, "Is this is this true or is it false?" Um, again, it's really interesting. So, so Jesus is saying a prophet needs to be judged, and John's telling us that there's actually a lot of false prophets in the world, and that's a super sobering thought. 
And it's interesting that the, the, the New Testament also talks quite a lot about false teachers as well. Um, in, in James one uh, verse, uh, James three verse one, it says, "So not many of you presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly." You know, and, and this for us, it's probably quite an important thing because we're, you know, we're a nation of do-it-yourselfers. Um, but the reality is this: that there's differing gifts given to all of us, and, we're, and each of us are meant to stay in our lane, and we're meant to bring the very best of our version of ourselves to the world. Now, again, in saying all this, there's a huge difference, I think, between um, making a mistake and, and, and being a false prophet. You know, it, I mean, none of us get everything right. Um, you know, and, and every, time we, every time we bring something from God, every, you know, every time I preach, for example, I'm always kind of going like, please, God, help me, to, help me not to say things that are wrong. Help me to, you know, help me not to let my humanity get in the way of, of what's true. You know, and when we bring when we bring prophecies, or when someone leads as a prophetic person, the, what we're looking for is we're looking for this difference between every now and then everybody makes a mistake, but the difference between a mistake and error is you know, an error is doing this, the wrong thing over and over again, and not changing and not adjusting, and so what 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 Jesus is warning us here in this in this passage about watch out for false prophets. He's saying, watch out for people who, who are leading you into error. Um, you know, the, the new, let me read you a little bit from a commentary because it's, it's talking about this, the, the reality of the New Testament church. It says, um, we, hear a false, we, we hear false prophets are active already in the church in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, and 1 John 4, uh, and Revelation 2.20, as well as Jesus' warning in, in Matthew 24, verses 11 and 24. By the end of the first century, false prophets, prophets and false teachers were a real problem in the church there's a there's a book um, a writing called the didache which is which is the kind of the the uh, the practice of the new testament church and and the didache um, had a prescribed way of testing whether a person was a, a true or false prophet and, and it would say things like this their teaching would be plausible enabling them to pass off as true disciples or sheep um, but in effect their but the effect of their ministry or the effect of their teaching would be destructive and so for us, you know, even though it's a, this is, a, this is quite a, you know, I wasn't particularly looking forward to preaching this message this morning because it's kind of one of those, you know, one of those sobering messages. I much prefer to teach something that's really, really fun. But it's a really sobering message that Jesus is telling us, be careful with what we believe. Be careful with what we listen to. You know, some things that we hear and read and watch may seem plausible, but we have to ask that Jesus question, you know, what's the fruit? You know, I, I mean, we live in a time when there's, when there's a plethora or plethora, however you say that, however you say that word, um, of of people, um, prophets and teachers vying for our attention in social media and podcasts and books and articles and you know on video clips. You know, and and especially in this in this COVID nineteen time, it my goodness, I don't know about you, but I've come across some pretty whacked out stuff. Um, there's there's some really really bizarre things that that um, conspiracy theorists are trotting, dropping in there and kind of saying this is this is the real deal you know believe us uh, you know so, you know some um, you know it's it's fascinating how ordinary, some people have suddenly become experts on what the new world's going to be like what the new what the church is going to look like after this time and you know what society is going to be like and you know and so we've got to ask I think a couple of questions and question number one would be this what effect 
does this teaching or, the, or this message have? You know, does it, does it cause us to love God more uh, and to love people more, or, or does it cause us to be fearful? Um, does, does, it, does, it make us, does it make us mean and judgmental? Um, does it make us more loving or does it make us more fearful? Does it make us feel really exclusive and, and you know, and, and kind of above everybody else? Or does it make us want to welcome others? Does it promote unity or, or does it promote separation? You know, does the message and the messenger um, promote love and joy and peace? Those are some of the, those are some of the tests that it's really important to, to ask when we're reading and listening to some of the things that we're being exposed to. Uh, and, and then secondly, it's what's a person's life? You know, you, you take a look at the message and then you take a look at the messenger. Uh, and, and what's this person's life like? You know, I mean, one of the, one of the, one of the first questions I always ask is, is are they part of a church? Uh, you know, are they part of a committed, uh, are they committed to a group of people? And, and do they listen to that group of people? You know, the, there's a word submission that's, that's an awfully loaded term. But what it really means is, is, you know, is that person, do they actually listen to anybody else? Can people correct them? Can people speak into their life and say, I think you got that wrong, and possibly you should correct that, and possibly even apologize for that? Um, you know, or, or are they just a law unto themselves and just, and just doing their own thing? You know, I, I always ask those questions before we have a visiting speaker in Urban. You know, I'm like, I want to know the message. But I also want to know this, are they connected to people? Will they listen to people? Can they, can they be corrected? You know, the, um, you know, we all need people around us. The reality is that church shapes us. You know, you, one of the things about being involved in a, in, a, in a group of people who know you well is, is that they can poke your bubble. Well, bubble's probably not a right word to use right now. Um, but, but they can, you know, they can, um, they can get into our little world and they, and they can just bring us, you know, back to reality if we get a little bit carried away if we start believing something that's just not right you know we all need people around us who can speak the truth and love to us uh, you know in, in 40 years of of, lead, of church leadership there's only been a few um, that i've come across over the years that that have been what i would call a false teacher or, or a false prophet and and they're and they're almost always the kind of the lone ranger types you know listen to nobody that you know that god's told them this and no one can tell them otherwise they've they've heard it directly from god you know this there's just uh, you know the, and, and they always wreak havoc wherever they go there's something about church community and being together that that creates honesty and, and vulnerability it makes for healthy people um you know I, I in my um because i'm old i've i've sort of been around um computer stuff for ages and you know in the in the early stages of computing we had this amazing thing that that uh, that was called you know originally you, you kind of just had little characters that pop up on a screen and and um and then we got this thing called WYSIWYG, which is what you see is what you get that that what you see on the screen is actually what what's going to get printed out, and and I think I think what we're looking for with this test of of uh, you know is it a, is it a true prophet or is it a false prophet is this, you know because sometimes you can't tell immediately is the message right, uh, you can't tell or identify a false prophet or a false teacher by their words and by their words alone. Sometimes you've got to discern the fruit of their life and their ministry. It it, it takes time to actually look at the person. 
And, and that can seem kind of a little bit judgmental, but, the, but what Jesus told us in this, in this passage that we're looking at today is by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Verse 20, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. And this is the messiness of life. You know, how good would it be if Jesus didn't have to warn us about false prophets and false teachers? But we live in reality and we live, we live in a messy world. And, and you know, we, and people do people stuff. You know, and so we have to be wise, you know, and we're used to, we're used to identifying that if you take an apple off a tree, you kind of go, that's an apple tree. Uh, and, you know, and, and if it's a mandarin tree, you know that at this time of year, it's going to be forming mandarins and they're going to be good. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what's the fruit of, of what we're listening to or, or watching or, or reading? And what's the fruit in the, in the, in the speaker's life? And what's the fruit in the listener's life? What's the, what kind of fruit have they produced? Because the reality is that talk is easy, but building something of value takes time. It's hard work. You know, again, we, we know this, that we are, we are saved by faith, by grace through faith, but, but we're judged by our works. You know, and again, these things are awkward. You know, it's kind of like, mm, wish we didn't have to talk about this. But, you know, and, and we don't like to think about final judgments that much. But it is worth noting that, that, that every scene about judgment in the scriptures in the New Testament is actually about, and it's judgment, it's judgment uh, for what we've done. It's judgment for reward. Um, you know, it's like kind of, are we going to get first prize, second prize, third prize? Or are we going to get um, must try harder? Um, but, but every, you know, all of us will be judged for our works. And, you know, we know that we're passed from judgment to life in terms of our eternal destiny. We, we know that our life has been judged in Christ and that we belong to him. So we're not, we're not being judged in the basis of where we're going to end up, but we are going to be judged by the basis of our works. What have we done with our lives? What have we done with what God's given us? That's, that's the invitation I think today. You know, that, that, that the reality is this, that Jesus, he's building a new family. He's building a, a new world. He's building a new kingdom. And, and, and unfortunately, there are people um, who, are, who are committed and forces that are committed to destroying that. And so one of the things, I guess, as I bring this to a conclusion, one of the thoughts would be this. To remember this, that the gospel is always good news. If it's not good news, it's not the gospel. If it, if it doesn't create an expansive life like Matthew talked about last week, it's not the gospel. If it, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't cause us to want to love people more, to give our lives away more, it's not the gospel. It's something else. It's probably a false gospel. It's probably a false prophet. And in this new kingdom that Jesus is describing in, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, what he, it's telling us this. He's committed to making us good so that everything that we touch, every word that we speak is going to create good. You know, in, in Romans, Paul said it this way. He said, the kingdom of God um, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I, I think one of the measures of, of the life that, we, that he's invited us into, and one of the ways that we can kind of really quickly go, is this, is this true teaching or is this false teaching? Is this a, is this a, is this a good um, is this a true teacher or is this a false teacher? Is this a true prophet or is this a false teacher? It's simply this. Is it, is it producing what Jesus, what Jesus is building? You know, is it, is it producing this, this thing of, of um, the, you know, the ultimate thing that we're looking for, faith, hope, and love? So our, so our longing is this, that everything will be about kote whakapono, te tumanako, 
Ved te aroha. That everything will be about faith, hope, and love. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray as we as we um, let this word just sit in us and 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 ferment in us and bring good wine out of us. Lord, I pray that that we recognize whatever whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is of good repute, whatever is noble. Lord, I, I pray that we give ourselves to those things. We reject the things that would cause us to, to feel exclusive. We reject the things that would cause us to feel that our lives would get constricted, that they get smaller. I thank you that you invited us into a big life. And so, Lord, I, I pray for us, Lord, as a church, and I pray for us as a wider community. I pray for us that are, that are listening and watching to this, Lord, the churches around our nation and to the church around the world. Lord, I pray that we would be constantly people of good news. I pray that the, that the mark of each one of us would be that we bring love, that we bring um, hope, and that we bring um, 